0: In your Bible we turn and I read only two verses in preparation to the message and they are of course very familiar, but I pray that the Lord will bring them to your heart afresh this morning. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1 and 2 The Lord instructs the prophet in these words Comfort ye Comfort ye my people saith your God Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem And cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double, double for all her sins." John Smith, sometime prior to 1795 in his book, It Is Well, speaks to us about that word, double. The unbelieving heart would respond and say, why should they have to pay double? And John Smith said, how very much more could he have exacted so long as we are out of hell, God punishes us less than our sins deserve. But speak now. Speak to her. Speak to her comfortably. And comfort my people. Turn in your hymn book, please, and stand with me again. Sing together number 576. Treasure here and fix my thoughts above. Unveil Thy glories to my view and bid me taste Thy love. The Oh, fills all the space I leaves no room for you. You can be seated. As has been so often my practice in days gone by, I would desire this morning to take a brief respite from our sermons in the record of the judges and entertain a message from an altogether different place in Scripture. It is on these occasions that I allow myself to take up a more topical method of preaching rather than the usual verse-by-verse exposition, which, as you know, I believe to be by far the preferred method of preaching at least in the routine pulpit ministry. But I do allow myself sometimes in these intervals to take up a more topical method. And with only that short apology in hand, I give to you this morning four simple truths which I pray our God will own to the encouragement and admonition of us all. You likely need not that I should tell you this morning that these are dark and trying days. These are times in which the very souls of God's saints are pressed under the weight Of a ubiquitous and pervasive spirit of evil. The whole world is in conflict. And the sheep of God are by divine providence. Caught in the midst of it all. It seems that politicians. Legislators. Scholars and philosophers, all alike, have deserted their posts and collapsed under the weight of a confusion, suffering from vast moral anemia. Questions in our world today, questions abound. And solutions seem completely evasive and elusive. Elusive. Questions abound, but answers seem ever elusive. In the midst of all of this, as I've just said, stands the saint. The sheep of God. Not of the world, John fifteen nineteen. We are not of the world, nevertheless, we are saints in the world. So then, while this godless world around us rushes on in hopeless madness, down a violent vortex of destruction and damnation, I would offer to the saint a scripture word of comfort and counsel to our hearts here today. Four simple words, I hope, of comfort. First, I would remind us that by divine appointment and for our sanctification... There is, even for us, a crook in the lot. There is, for our sanctification, even for us, a crook in the lot. Not only for our national life, not only for our civic life, life but indeed for our own personal lives there is by divine providence and for our sanctification a crook in the lord ecclesiastes 7 and verse 13 consider the work of god for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked. In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider.
1: God
0: also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. I said there's a crook in the lot of every saint by God's providence for their sanctification even in the midst of all the world there is also a crook in the lot for the saint. Amos chapter 3 and verse 6. Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? Surely the Lord will do nothing but He revealeth His secret unto His servants the prophets. The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? What is it that's burning Amos' heart that he cannot help but prophesy? No matter what, it is all of this. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord hath done it. The Lord hath done it. I mentioned before our prayer this morning the need. The need in Israel is not more intelligence, not more military intelligence or military prowess or weaponry. The need in Israel is for them to realize the Lord hath done it. The Lord hath done it. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 5. I am the Lord. There is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all of these things. I would have it brought to your heart this morning by way of a comfort to you as a saint that for your sanctification and by His divine providence there is a crook in the lot. many a time. For we understand We understand, unlike this godless world in their insanity, we understand that it is our God who rules in all the affairs of men. He turns their hearts as the rivers of water, Proverbs 21.1. And His sovereign, omniscient, almighty wisdom, He may choose a crook to be in our lot. Isaiah declared it. Amos declared it. All the Scripture declares it. Ecclesiastes declared it. I said that it may please our God who rules in all the affairs of men to turn, who turns their hearts as the rivers of water. It may please our sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent God to put a crook in our lot. Oh, we all know well, we all know well that great work by the blessed Thomas Boston in the early 1700s when he wrote that book entitled The Cook in the Lot. By the way, if you haven't read it in a long time, now might be a good time to read it again. In that great pastoral work of divinity, Thomas Boston wrote these words. A just view of afflicting incidences is altogether necessary to a Christian deportment under them. And that view is to be obtained only by faith and not by sense. For it is the light of the word alone that represents them justly discovering in them the work of God, discovering in those crooks in the lot the work of God, and consequently, designs becoming their divine perfections. When these are perceived by the eye of faith and duly considered we have a just view of afflicting incidences fitted to quell the turbulent motions of corrupt affections under dismal outward circumstances. Our beloved ancient pastor went on to help us to understand these things with this definition of them. This definition of the lot, the crook in the lot. He said there is a certain train or course of events by the providence of God falling to every one of us during our life in this world. And that is our lot as being allotted to us by the sovereign God our Creator and Governor, in whose hand our breath is and whose are all our ways. This train of events is widely different to different persons. According to the will and pleasure of the sovereign manager who ordereth men's conditions in the world in a great variety, some moving in a higher and some moving in a lower sphere. Crook. In the lot. Then again he says to our help and instruction The remedy itself is a wise eyeing of the hand of God in all we find that is hard to bear. Consider thy work, the scripture says. Consider the work of God, namely, in the crooked, rough, and disagreeable parts of your lot, the crosses thou findest in it. Thou seest very well the cross itself. (laughs) Oh yes, when we're in a place where there's a crook in the lot, we have no trouble seeing the crook. He said, Thou seest very well the cross itself. Yea, thou turnest it over and over in thy mind, and leisurely viewest it on all its sides. Thou lookest withal to this and the other second cause of it, and so thou art in a foam and a fret. But wouldst thou be quieted and satisfied, in the manner lift up thine eyes toward heaven and see the doing of God in it the operation of his hand look at that and consider that well I the first cause of the crook in the lot behold how it is the work of God God His doings. (laughs) Oh, didn't old Job, in the whole book of Job about that, didn't he struggle with that? Didn't he struggle with trying to see how is God in all of this? Oh, said, said our great writer, It's the doings of our God. Could I just help us to bring calm to our souls this morning in the midst of the turmoil in this world by reminding you that it is by divine appointment and often that it will be in your own life a crook. In the lot. Number one, there is a crook in the lot, and that bespeaks God's providence. But now, this morning, I would give you a word of glorious consolation in this next point. While there's surely a crook in the lot, For every saint's saint's sanctification. Number two, there's a bow in the cloud. (laughs) Oh, there's a bow in the cloud. Yes, there's a crook in the light. There's a bow in the cloud. Genesis chapter 8 verse 1. God remembered Noah. You could stop and preach right there. If a man had enough preach worth a grain of salt in him, he could stop right there and preach for an hour. God remembered Noah. And God remembered Noah. And every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters to The mountains also the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from the heaven was restrained and the waters turned from off the earth. Continually, And after the end of the hundred and fifty days, the waters were abated.
1: And the ark rested
0: in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mount of Ariat.
1: And then verse 13
0: tells us, And it came to pass in the six hundredth, and first year in the first month, and the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry then in chapter 9 and verse 8 and God spake unto Noah unto Noah and unto his sons with him saying and I behold I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you of the fowl of the cattle and and of the fowl and of the cattle and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth, I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there be any more flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I made between me and you and every living creature that's with you for perpetual generations, I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Hallelujah! There's a bow in the cloud. And every time you come to this place in your life where there's a crook in the light, I want to remind you there's a bow in the cloud too. Oh, hallelujah to our God. The crook has not come to stay. There's a bow in every cloud of our God's crooks. Oh, blessed Noah. (laughs) What is the crook? Oh, it's the promises of God. He made a promise. God spoke to Noah and to his sons and to all that were with him and to every creeping thing that was on that ark. He said, I'll make a promise to everything there, every living creature that was then on the earth. I'll make a promise to you. And I'm going to put an indicator for you. Set a bow in the cloud for a token. A token of what? A token to remind them He's made a promise. Oh, the promises of God are so vast, so wide, so abundant. Every creature knows God has made a promise. Oh, listen. <laughs> Here it is, I told you I'd, earlier in the service, I told you I'd share with you some of that. Listen, Zephaniah, listen to the prophet sharing it. Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3, the prophet Zephaniah has shown us this bow in the cloud, the bow in the cloud. Zephaniah 3 and verse 18. After all that stinging rebuke that he brings to Israel, he says, I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time, I will undo all that afflict thee. I will save her that halteth and gather her that was driven out. I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time, I will bring you again in the time that I gather you. For I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes. Saith the Lord, there's a bow in the cloud. For Israel, God has made a promise. Oh, for every hard and horrible day that was prophesied by Haggai, at the end of it all, there was a bow in the cloud. Haggai chapter 2. And verse 20, and again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai in the fourth and twentieth day of the month saying, Speak! Speak to the governor of Judah saying, I'll shake the heavens and the earth. I'll overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'll destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. I'll overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them. And the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day saith the Lord of hosts, I will take thee. Hallelujah, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shalatai, saith the Lord, and will make thee up a signet. For I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of Hope. He ends that prophecy with a bow in the cloud. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Oh, for all the charges. For all the charges brought to Israel by Micah and all oh, they are so many and so terrible. For all the charges that were brought to Israel by Micah. For all the displays of God's anger against them. Yet, He will not end on that word. But we'll come to chapter 7 and verse 18 and find out He's put a bow. He's put a bow in the cloud. Verse 17, they shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth. In mercy can somebody say amen. He delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. And Thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham which Thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, there will be a crook in the lot. But I'm going to tell you, Israel, Micah says, God has a bow in the cloud. A bow in the cloud. How many more would you like me to bring to you this morning? I've been already to three of the prophets. I'm telling you, Saint of God, there's a bow in the cloud for every sorrow. That you have this morning. For every crook that's in your lot this morning, there's a bow in the cloud. Whatever God has sent, He has a promise. Is it physical affliction? Oh, it's a new body. (laughs) Oh, faith could just lay hold of it, it's a new body He's promised. Is it the loss of a friend? All oh, the scripture says we have one that sticketh closer than a brother. Oh, is it the loss of peace? There's a promise. Peace I give unto you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world giveth. My peace. Is it guilt? You bow your head before him and guilt condemns you. Oh, there's a bow in the cloud for that. Scripture said all my sins are laid on him. On and on and on I could go. Whatever your whatever your crook is There is a crook in your lot, but there's a bow in the cloud. That crook in the lot speaks of God's providence. This bow in the cloud bespeaks God's promises. But now I must move on and tell you that not only is there a crook in the lot for your sanctification, Oh, there's a bow in the cloud for your sanctification. But I give you thirdly, there's a balm in Gilead for your sanctification. There's a balm in Gilead. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 18. When I would comfort myself against sorrow, my heart is faint in me. Behold, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her King in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I'm like astonishment has taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Of course it's a rhetorical question. Just as the former question was, is God not in her? Of course He is. Is there not a balm in Gilead? Of course there is. Is there no physician there? Of course there is. Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Oh, can I tell you thirdly for your comfort this morning in your sanctification, can I just remind you there is a balm in Gilead. Oh, hallelujah. The crook in the lot bespeaks His providence. The bow in the cloud bespeaks His promises. The ball in Gilead bespeaks the preciousness of His presence. Hallelujah. Is God not in earth? Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. It bespeaks the preciousness of God's presence. Oh, only the saint can know how precious is the sweet communion of our God. The good Dr. Unger, <laughs> when we go to him, we often go to him, I do, just to understand the full understanding of words in the Scriptures, some of the things. The good Dr. Unger tells us in his dictionary that this balm in Israel was an aromatic gum full Of healing properties. (laughs) And so the prophet lays hold on the term. And says. Is there not a balm? Is there not an aromatic gum? Full of healing properties. In Israel? Oh yes. Oh yes. Dear saint. Can I tell you. This bespeaks the preciousness of the presence of God. Oh, this is the most, this is the sweetest fragrance that cools the fevered brow. This is the calming elixir that stills the throbbing anxious heart. This is the precious medicine that soothes the pains of sorrow. This is the warming sun that dries up the putrid affliction of sin's bruises. Oh, can I just remind you, this is the balm that's applied to the soul in the dark hours of the night when sleep is driven away like chaff before the wind. This is the balm that's applied in that chamber of death When crossing the nigh waters whose description we may well take from the pen of the tinker of Bedford. This is the balm This is the balm of Gilead. The dear tinker said that I saw in my dream that Christian was in a muse a while there in that river. Oh, you're going to need a ball when you get there. You're going to need a ball. You're going to need an aromatic mixture of help. He sat there in the river and amused for a while. Toom helpful added these words Be of good cheer. Jesus Christ, make thee whole. And when that, Christian broke out with a loud voice, Oh, I see him again. I see him again. And he tells me, When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And then they both to courage. And the enemy was after that as still as a stone until they were gone over. Christian, therefore, presently found ground to stand upon. Hallelujah. And so it followed that the rest of the river was but shallow and they got over. Hallelujah Yes, blessed be the Lord. Now, while they were drawing towards the gate, behold a company of the heavenly host came out to meet them. these shining ones. The heavenly host gave a great shout, Blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the lamb!" He goes on and he says, and now these two men, as it were, in heaven before they came to it. Yes, bless the Lord. In heaven before they came to it. Why? Because he has administered a ball. Hallelujah. Administered a ball. They've seen the bow in the cloud. Here also they had the city itself in view. They thought they heard all the bells there in the ring to welcome them there too. But above all, the warm and joyful thoughts that they had about their own dwelling there with such company, and that forever and ever. Oh, by what tongue or pen can their glorious joy be expressed? Thus they came up to the gate. Hallelujah. Or, to you, Saint, for your sanctification this morning, there may be a crook in your lot. Oh, but I'm telling you, there's a bow in the cloud, there's a ball in Gilead. Thank God for the bomb. How many have been the saints and how many have been the times that they found the preciousness of this blessed balm. No wonder that good writer, Austin Miller in nineteen thirteen, left a career in pharmacy and set his hand. To spend the rest of his life writing hymns. Left a career in pharmacy. Successful. Put his hand to writing hymns for the rest of his life. And he sat down and he wrote this one I come to the garden, all while the dew is still on the roses. The voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. It's so sweet, the birds hush their singing. I'm telling you, there's a bomb in Gilead. I'm talking about the preciousness of being in His presence are you experiencing that are you experiencing that there's a balm in Gilead it bespeaks the preciousness of his presence maybe you're not experiencing that these days if it's not if not i give you this final point the crook in the lot there is a crook in the lot it bespeaks his providence there's a bow in the cloud it bespeaks his promises there's a ball in Gilead it bespeaks his presence but there's sometimes a fly in the ointment ecclesiastes chapter 10 And verse 1, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 1, the wise preacher warns us dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. Here the preacher, Ecclesiastes, the preacher warns us of the danger of a small thing destroying Even the medicine. Just a fly. Just a fly. Says the good Dr. Gill in his commentary, this fly may get into the most precious ointment, prepared after the best manner, where they die and corrupt it says Doctor Gill, one single act of sin may injure the character of a wise and honorable man, and greatly expose him to shame and contempt, and cause him to stink in the nostrils of men. Thus the affair the affair of Bathsheba And Uriah, what a slur did it bring on the character of David. So famous for wisdom and honor, for religion and piety. And so it was with the idolatry of Solomon, the wisest of men. So it was with Jehoshaphat, that good king, entering into affinity with Ahab. So it was with the pious Josiah going to war with the king of Egypt, contrary to the word of the Lord. And many other like instances. This teaches how careful men, eminent for gifts and grace, should be of their words and actions, since the least thing amiss in them is easily discerned and soon taken notice of as the least speck in a diamond or a spot in a fine linen cloth. Oh, how quickly our remaining flesh with the speed of a flying arrow will poison the peace of a saint. Sometimes just one seemingly small thought fired like a burning dart of temptation and our bomb. Is poisoned. Our communion. Is broken. Our peace. Is disturbed. And our faith. Is derailed. Sometimes. With just. A thought. Happens in prayer. Brethren, does it not with you as it does with me? Sweet communion. Oh, a bomb being applied to my soul. And then comes this thought. And it's all destroyed. God. Could I warn you this morning? There's a fly in the ointment. There's a fly in the ointment when sin and corruption is not confessed and purged. Oh yes, there's a crook in the lot and it bespeaks God's providence. There is a bow in the cloud and it bespeaks God's promises. There's a bomb in Gilead, hallelujah, and it bespeaks God's preciousness, presence there's a danger of the fly in the ointment of your soul and it bespeaks the precautions of God he's warned you he's warned us it bespeaks the precautions God has taken he's warned us about a fly a fly in the ointment It will cause the apothecary to stink. Hmm. May God help us. Turn with me please again in your hymn book and stand with me. Hymn number 691. Standing as we sing please. Oh for a closer walk with God, calm and heavenly frame. só so- The world can never feel. Return, o holy dog, return. Sweet messenger of rest, I hate the sin that made thee mourn and grow. Thee from my breast, the dearest idol I have known. Whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship. Only. So shall my walk be close with God. Calm and serene my frame. So pure light shall mark the road that leads me to the land.